In today's portion of Scripture, Jesus is going to talk about wealth and what we do with it. Uh, our riches, our money, the, the provisions that the Lord has given to us. Uh, and so, again, it's not... Uh, I find it interesting uh, that two weeks in a row we'll be talking a little bit about giving. Uh, I'm not a prosperity preacher, I promise. Uh, but that's just where God has us. And so we're going to go through systematically through the Word. And that's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is addressing. So we're going to address that. Um, and so uh, Luke's Gospel actually tells us that the Pharisees, that they were lovers of money. Okay? And Jesus is going to address this topic and show why we should reject the example of the Pharisees and this love for money. Let's read Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 19 through 24 just to start off. We will make our way through the whole portion, but just to start off, verses 19 through 24. Would you mind standing as we read today uh, the Word of God in honor of His Word? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart, excuse me, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray one more time. Father, we pray that as we break it, uh, just dive into your word and we break it apart and we learn, uh, just make observations and interpretation and application to our own lives. Lord, that you'd lead and guide our time. Father, we thank You that You have left us Your Word, that we can know Your heart, that we can uh, learn from it, Lord, that we can grow from it, Lord, that we can uh, be molded and shaped into the image of Your Son, Jesus Christ, through the study and application of it. And so, Father, that's what we want to do here this morning. Lord, we want to spend time in Your Word. We want to hear Your heart and what You were saying. And, Father, we want to apply it to our lives. And so, lead and guide us this morning. We ask and pray in Jesus' name name. Amen. Amen. You guys may have a seat. This first section, uh, verses 19 through 21, Jesus is uh, bringing up the topic of treasures. And he presents two very different types of treasures. Earthly treasures and heavenly treasures. You know, a treasure is, is something that's special, something that's valuable, that's important. Uh, oftentimes, uh, it's usually something that's concealed from others. We talk about buried treasure or hidden treasure. Uh, and so uh, these treasures that we have, maybe they're not so open that everybody knows, but we have earthly treasures and we have these heavenly treasures. And Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where... Uh, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The point Jesus makes uh, about our earthly treasures is that they are temporary. They don't last. 
moth and rust destroy, or people can come in and, and steal them uh, from you. Okay? And it made me think about what are, what are some of the earthly treasures that we are we're tempted to seek after? I think everyone individually has different temptations, has different things that uh, maybe are, we are lured by uh, our heart. But I think if we were to sum it up, I think that we could probably uh, sum it up with three words. I think fame, fortune, and beauty. I think those are probably three uh, things that are earthly treasures that we find ourselves seeking after. And uh, fame, you know, we want fame. We want recognition. Okay, we want we want recognition for our accomplishments. We want to be people, or we want people to know who we are and what we've done. Okay, we want to be recognized as someone special. Okay, we seek after that. I think it's an earthly treasure that we seek after. Okay, we want fortune. We want enough money to buy things that we think will bring us happiness. Money to buy a, a big house or a new car or uh, fancy toys. Enough money to, to travel around the world and to enjoy the, the finer things of life. Uh, and I think that, that beauty, we want beauty. We want, we want people to think high, highly uh, of us based upon our outward appearance. Okay, we want to be satisfied with the way we look. We want other people to be satisfied, to look at us. And so we see fame, fortune, beauty. I think oftentimes those are the things that this world seeks after. Those are the treasures here on earth. And the problem with these things, as Jesus pointed out, is that they just don't last. Okay? Fame fades. That's why they say you get your 15 minutes of fame and, and then it's gone. Okay? Money, fortunes, they're lost, they're stolen, they're spent. Okay? Beauty is, is fleeting, it's passing. Okay? No, matter, no matter how many different creams and stuff we use, we get wrinkles. We get old. Okay? Stuff that was up here starts to come down here. It just happens. Okay? Even the fittest of people, gravity eventually sets in. And so beauty, our outward appearance, they're, they're fleeting. They're passing. They don't last. And so instead, Jesus says, lay up your treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here Jesus is saying that treasures in heaven, they're not like treasures on earth. Okay? They're eternal. Okay? They last. Okay? They don't get rusted. They don't get destroyed. Uh, they can't be taken away from you. And so how do we store treasures in heaven? Well, I think instead of seeking after fame and recognition, we deny ourselves. And we pick up our cross and we follow Jesus Christ. Instead of trying to gain fortune, we give what we have. Jesus told the rich young ruler, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, Jesus wasn't, making, Jesus wasn't telling him he had to do this because he wants us all to do that. He was telling this rich young Mueller to do that because that's really where his heart was at. And he said, I want your heart. Okay? If you do this, you'll, you'll have treasures in heaven. Instead of seeking after outward beauty, we should emphasize the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which the scriptures say are very precious in the sight of the Lord. That we would be more working on godliness rather than physical exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all. So we, we need to focus on the inside, not necessarily the outside. Storing up treasures in heaven 
means that we invest our time, our energy, and our finances on the things of heaven, the things that have eternal value. Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasures are here on earth, on the things of this world, your heart will be here also. And he says, if your treasures are are in heaven, well then your heart will be there. It's not a matter of we, we put our heart somewhere. It's wherever our treasures are at, our heart will follow. It, it will always be there. So where is your heart at this morning? Are you investing in the things of this world or in the things of heaven? You know, I've heard it said that two good ways to figure out where you're investing, what you value, two very easy ways to find out is to look at your calendar and to look at your checkbook. What does your calendar suggest about the investments you're making? Who gets your time? Are you meeting with others and investing in spiritual matters? Praying with one another, encouraging one another, and exhorting one another through the Word of God. We have accountability groups that meet together, and that's the purpose. The idea is we're investing in one another. We're helping one another out. We gather for corporate worship like this because we're investing in our walk with the Lord, but also as a body, as a whole, we encourage and equip one another. And so, what is your calendar say you're investing in what about your your checkbook what does your checkbook suggest and I know a lot of people don't use checkbooks anymore so maybe your online giving account what does your online giving you know statement what does your uh, monthly statement suggest about you do you give unto the Lord do you help those in need do you make sacrifices for your uh, of your own that you might be a blessing to someone else I think it's important that we take time to take inventory okay, and see where your treasures are at. Okay? For there your heart will be also. Verse 22 and 23 says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus continues with what may seem like something from left field as he begins to speak about good and and bad eyes and light and darkness. And it's like, how does this apply to heavenly treasures and earthly treasures? And he talks about mammon and riches. Verse 24, this 22 and 23 don't really seem to fit here. But as we take a closer look at things, Okay, we see that he really is staying on point. Okay? And that point that he is continuing, the topic that he's talking about is spiritual investments. Spiritual investments. Because the key to understanding these verses is knowing what is meant by a good or a bad eye. Okay? It's not talking about our vision if we've got 20-20 vision uh, or if we're blurry or focused. Okay? A good eye and a bad eye uh, is 
meant means something. Okay, and and the best way to understand and interpret scripture is through scripture. And so I want to show you guys, take you through, highlight a few verses that metaphorically speak about good and bad eyes. And then based upon that, we'll be able to understand what Jesus is talking about here in verses 22 and 23. And so let's look at here at a few verses. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 9. I think we have it up here uh, on the slide. Deuteronomy 15.9 says, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. In the Old Testament, there was every seven years, debts would be freed, and debts would be forgiven. And so the idea here, Moses is saying, Hey, if your brother comes to you and he needs something from you, but you know the seventh year is coming and you don't want to have to lose out on that you're going to, you know he's going to say oh I'm released of this I don't have to pay back your eye he says don't let your eye be evil okay uh, towards your brother and so he's talking about the idea of that uh, I don't want to give to him because I'm not going to get it back okay proverbs 23 verse 6 another portion of scripture that talks about an evil eye. Now, if you read it in the New King James, which is what I read from, it says, Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. Now, it's interesting, that word miser, if your Bible has little footnotes on it, it usually has a little uh, footnote there, okay, a little uh, subscript there, and it will tell you that the literal meaning of the word miser is one who has an evil eye. And so, actually, if you, it's written in the King James Version, if you're reading from the King James Version, it reads this way, Proverbs 23, 6, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, and neither desire thou his dainty meats. And so we see the correlation between someone who's a miser is someone that has an evil eye. Okay? Jesus, in speaking of the parable of the laborers, you guys remember that parable, right? That some came early in the morning and he, they agreed to a certain wage and they worked and then other people came and other people came and other people came. And at the end of the day, he went to pay the same amount person to the person that worked just a little, like an hour, barely anything. He's going to pay them the same as he paid the guy from the beginning of the day. And in Matthew verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 15, Jesus speaking the parable, he said, Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? And so he's saying here, Hey, what's, you, what's it to you when I give this person? Is your eye evil? Are you bitter because I'm going to give this guy something that I'm, you know, I agreed to give you as well? You worked harder for it, but your eye is evil? And so we, we're starting to get a context here of what it means to have an evil eye. Okay, Proverbs 22.9 talks about a generous eye. Proverbs 22.9 says, He who has a generous eye, or good eye, will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. And so we see, it's plain to see through the scriptures, that those that have an evil eye, they're people that are stingy, people that are greedy, okay? they're covetous. Okay? While those with a good eye are seen as generous, they're giving. And so now as we look back and bringing that newfound information back to our text, we see that Jesus did not bring up something out of left field. Okay? He was staying right on point. 
he was continuing to speak about spiritual investments. Rereading the text, it says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, or if therefore you are generous and giving, okay, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, or if you're stingy, if you're greedy, okay, your whole body will be full of darkness. Light and darkness, they're opposites that are often used to contrast the things of the Lord and the things of the world. Light is used in comparison to the Lord and is used as a uh, darkness is used as a comparison to the things of this world. And so these words about light and darkness and good eyes and bad eyes, they are connected to the previous verses about earthly treasures and heavenly treasures and they become a a sort of proof like a a litmus test of sorts to help know where your heart is at if you're generous and giving the idea is that you are in the light that you are storing up treasures in heaven that your heart is in heaven Okay, if you're stingy and greedy, the idea here being presented is that you are in darkness. Okay, you're focused on storing up treasures here on earth, and your heart is still in the world. Jesus gives a strong warning when he says, If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? God cares about where our heart is at. Okay? We already mentioned that. He wants us to be aware of the danger of having our heart attached to this world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You and I, we can't have it both ways. Our heart cannot be in two places at once. We can't love the Father and love the things of the world at the same time. Jesus said so in the very next verse, verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus says you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, your, your Bible will have footnotes again it's talking about riches or, or, or wealth, okay, uh, money. And he's saying you cannot love money or wealth or riches and love the Lord at the same time. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9 and 10 says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil As we serve riches, we are tempted by their insatiable lust of the world. No one ever has money enough. Can I tell you that? 
I, I know people that have made it their life's goal. I'm going to earn this much money, and once I do that, then I'm going to do it. You know what happens when they earn that much money? They want to earn that much more. Okay? I want to I earn a million dollars. They earn a million dollars. They say, you know what they say? I want to earn another million. Okay? Because it's insatiable. Okay? That lust, that greed, it's insatiable. Okay? Paul said that the greediness, greediness produced by the love of money has even caused some to stray from the faith. I hope that that would not be any of us. Okay? We must choose who or what we will serve. Okay? If we choose to serve God and love Him, then the expectation is that we will be those that have an eye that is good. The meaning that we're generous, generous with our provisions, we're givers. Also that, that we are those who are more interested in storing up treasures in heaven than treasures here on earth. You know, before we continue, I do want to speak and bring some clarification to the matter of riches and money. Okay? Oftentimes people will misquote 1 Timothy 6.10 and that they will say that money is the root of all evil. Okay, and that's not what the scripture says. Okay? Money in and of itself is not evil. In fact, money, when placed in its proper priority, can be and is meant to be a great blessing for you and your family. Jesus is not saying that you can't be rich and love the Lord at the same time. He's not saying that. Okay? What he is saying is that money and riches must be in proper order when it comes to priority. Money, having money is, is fine. If you have money, great. We, I was talking to my wife and she's like, yeah, a lot of people just, we're not rich. And I was like, but really, they, you know, in the world's context, we're like in the top 1% of the world, you know, when we think of how rich we are. But oftentimes we always look because it's an insatiable desire, right? It's an insatiable lust. We always look at the people above us and say, well, I'm not rich like them, right? Well, there are a lot of people that have a whole lot less than you and I. And we are monetarily, we are very rich, Okay. But let me tell you that it's not, that's not bad. Okay? Having money, having money, having funds, having a savings account is not a bad thing. Okay? Just a few verses later in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where it talks about the root uh, that uh, money, uh, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Later on in verse 17 and 19, it gives us some clarification about those who are rich. And it says... Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. And so we see here, those that have money, they're instructed not to trust in their money, but to trust in the living God. And so we have money, that's okay. If you have it, just don't trust in it. Don't put your trust in your hopes and your bank account. That's why Jesus said later on in Matthew 19, verse 23, He said that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is hard. 
the reason it's hard is because rich people, people that have riches, the tendency is to rely upon ourselves and not upon the Lord. The rich, okay, not only their focus, their emphasis, their priority needs to be trusting in the Lord, not in their money. He also says that the rich are expected to use their riches for good. Okay? And in so doing, they're storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. Basically what they're doing is they're storing up treasures in heaven. And so, if you have money, which most of us do, It's okay. Okay? But we can't rely upon our money. Money cannot be our focus, our priority. The Lord needs to be. And so that's what he's saying here. We need to be storing up treasures in heaven. If you have money, use it for good. And that's what he's talking about. And so let's read the second portion of Scripture here this morning. Verse 25 all the way through verse 34. It says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of their field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew 6, verse 25, it begins with the word, therefore. Now, therefore is a word that speaks of something that comes as a result of something else that was just explained. And so whenever you see the word, therefore, you should always look back at the example or the instruction that was just given. And so we do that. And for us this morning, we just looked at how Jesus told his followers to store their treasures in heaven to be generous givers, and to love and serve God, not money. Based upon this truth, Jesus then begins, verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. You see, Jesus here, He's aware of something that I think most of us know to be true, but may not want to admit to. Let me ask you this, and I'm not looking for audible responses here. Okay? Just think of the answer to yourself. What is usually the biggest hindrance to us being generous givers or storing up treasures in heaven? I think that if we're honest with ourselves, the answer would be that we're afraid there won't be enough for us. That if I give, well then that means I'm not going to have as much. I might miss out on something. Okay? I might go without. 
Okay? I, we fear that if we give what we have to those in need, that there won't be enough for us at the end of the month. Okay? And then we'll end up going without, or we'll go out, uh, missing out on uh, the purchase of something. And Jesus knew this truth. And so that is why, after telling his followers to be generous givers and to store up treasures in heaven, he tells them, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. He says this because he knows that would be our tendency. To worry if there'd be enough for our own basic needs. And so he says, hey... You guys need to store up treasures in heaven. We need to be, you need to be a generous giver. Okay? You need to serve the Lord, not God. And don't worry about your own provisions. Okay? As you do these things, don't worry. Because I know that's what your tendency is going to be to do. Jesus then says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Guys, there are more important things than uh, food and clothing. I know there are basic necessities, but... Those are earthly things, okay? And there's a heavenly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that we can sow into and invest in. And I want to encourage you to be heavenly minded in those things. In verses 26 through 30, Jesus gives two examples to his followers as to why they shouldn't worry. Okay? In Matthew 6, 26 and 27, he addresses the issue of food by giving an example of the birds of the air. If you look at verse 26 and 27, it says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Jesus illustrates to his followers that they can trust God to feed them because God takes care of the birds even though they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. God still supplies food for them. If God supplies food for the birds of the air, can't you trust Him to provide for you? Seeing as how much more valuable you are to Him than birds. And the obvious answer is yes. We can trust in God to provide for us. I think one of the most famous examples of a man that lived this out is the famous evangelist and orphanage director George Mueller. One of the a well-documented occasion tells of how the Lord provided food and drink for 300 children when they had no food and drink of their own. I'm going to read from you this account. The children are dressed and ready for school, but there is no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew God would provide food for the children, and as he always, excuse me, God, George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I will bring it in. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart broke down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed, and so he asked George if he could use some of the free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in ten large cans of milk. It was just enough for the 300 thirsty, hungry children. George Mueller made it a point 
never to ask others for funding, but solely trusted in the Lord to provide. And God did. Over and over and over again. Jesus concludes this example by asking an important question. Which of you by worrying could add one cubit to his stature? Basically, Jesus is saying, what benefit is going to come from worrying? And the answer is none. There is no benefit to worrying. Worrying about something does not change the situation for the better. In fact, most of the times it only makes matters worse. Matthew 6, verses 28 through 30 here... Jesus addresses the issue of clothing by giving an example of lilies and grass in the field. Verse 28 through 30. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus illustrates to his followers that they can trust in God to clothe them as well because God dresses the lilies and grass in the field even though they neither toil nor spin. And even though they are tossed into the fire the next day, God still clothes them. In fact, God says that the lilies of the field are dressed and clothed more so than even Solomon in all of his glory. A survey of 1 Kings 10 gives us a description of what it was like in Solomon for Solomon in his glory days. It was quite incredible. Okay? Verse 14 and 15 in 1 Kings 10 speak of the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly. That it was 666 talents of gold. And that wasn't even including what was brought in from the traveling merchants or the income of traders or from the kings of Arabia or from the governors of the country. This was just the base. Okay? All this other stuff came in as well. And it's interesting, one talent of gold was roughly about 67 pounds of gold. Solomon received over 44,000 pounds of gold annually as a base. Verse 21 describes King Solomon's drinking vessels, how each one was made of pure gold and that none of them were made of silver. For this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. Silver was like garbage. We don't even need this. Verse 23 says, So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. wisdom. Solomon in his glory days was the richest man on earth. And so the weight of what Jesus is saying is quite astounding. He basically says that the richest man on earth, I don't know who that is today, Bill Gates, I don't know, some, maybe, I don't know. The richest man on earth, with limitless resources available to him, couldn't adorn himself better than how God clothes the lilies of the field. And if God clothes the lilies and grass in the field that's here today and gone tomorrow, can't you trust Him to clothe you, seeing as how much more valuable you are to Him than flowers and grass? And again, the obvious answer is yes. Yes, we can trust the Lord to provide for us. Jesus, at the end of this example, really draws us into the heart of the matter. It's our faith. Jesus addresses the people as people of little faith. Isn't that what it really boils down to? 
It's a matter of faith. Do we have enough faith in the Lord to say, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to give even though I'm worried I won't have enough for myself. I'm going to trust in you to provide. Do we have enough faith to do that? Do we have enough faith in the Lord? And that's really what it boils down to. Verse 31, like verse 25, begins with therefore. And again, it ties back to the truth verses that we read in verses 19 through 24. Verse 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Okay? Previously, in verses 26 through 30, Jesus gave two examples for why his followers shouldn't worry. And in verse 32, Jesus gives two reasons why we shouldn't worry. Matthew 6.32 begins and says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek. The first reason that they shouldn't worry is because that is what the Gentiles do. The Gentiles, they are people who don't worship the one true God. They were the foreign nations that worshipped false gods. As the chosen people of God, God expected His children to behave differently from the surrounding nations and peoples. And we too, as Christians, are called to be unique and separate from the world around us. The world worries about their own provision. But as children of the Lord, we're to be different. We need to trust in the Lord and His provision. Lay that at His feet and let Him take care of it. The second part of verse 32 gives us our second reason why we shouldn't worry. It says, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So here we see the second reason we shouldn't worry is because our heavenly Father knows our needs. God knows what our needs are. Just a few verses back from last week's lesson, we read in verse 8 of Matthew chapter 6. It says, Your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask Him. God knows what we need better than what we know what we need, or we think we need. We think we know what we need. Oftentimes, I've prayed to the Lord, telling Him of my needs, only to have Him basically say, he goes, uh, Cy Robertson, and he says, Nah, that's not what you need. Okay? You need this. Okay? And then and that's usually followed up with me saying, Lord, I don't think I need that, Lord. And eventually, you know, my prayer life, as I go to the Lord, He gets it through my thick skull, and I come around to His side, and I find, You know what, Lord? You were right. That is what I needed. You know, I... Maybe I'm just weird. I don't know. Does anybody else have conversations like that with the Lord? We don't have to worry because we can trust that God knows our needs better than we do. Matthew 6.33, it's really the concluding thought and idea behind today's portion of Scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It is a matter of priorities in life. We must put God, His kingdom, and His righteousness first and foremost in our life. When when we do that, we can be confident. And we can be sure that God will take care of our other needs. 
Matthew 6.34 finishes off the chapter with yet another exhortation to not worry. Verse 34 says, Therefore do not worry. Three times he says don't worry. About tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And, And really what he's saying, guys, is just seek first the kingdom of God. He's just echoing that same thing. We just need to be faithful with each day God gives us. Be faithful with today. Store up your treasures in heaven today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust the Lord. As we wrap up our time together this morning, what is the Lord wanting to say to us here today at Calvary Chapel, Iwakuni? I think there's a few things. I think that the Lord is concerned about where your heart is at. And so we need to ask ourselves, and take inventory and say, Lord, where is my heart? Eh? You, you say that wherever my treasures are at, that's where my heart's going to be. And so when you ask the question, Lord, where's my heart? You have to ask the question, Lord, what, do I, what am I putting value in? Eh? What, what's a treasure to me? We need to be storing up treasures in heaven that last for all of eternity and stop living for the world and the things of this world that don't last and don't satisfy. Is your heart attached to the world or is it surrendered to the Lord? We need to know where our heart is at. Second thing I think, one of the things we pointed out, that as children of the light, we would be known as people that are generous People that are givers. Okay? And we talked about this last week as well. God expects us to give. To make sacrifices that we may bless others. You know that when we give, that we're to give in proportion to what God has given to us. Okay? I'm not saying to you all that you need to go sell everything and give to the poor so that you can lay up treasures in heaven. Okay? But God's given to each of us. Okay? And we need to be faithful with what He's given to us. What you give is between you and the Lord, but make sure that you are someone who gives. Also, God, excuse me, uh, God tells us the third uh, third thing. He tells us that we must choose between either serving and loving Him or serving and loving money. You cannot have it both ways. And again, I, I I don't want to make it sound weird or anything like that. Okay. Having money is okay. Even money as a priority is okay. It can't be the priority. You cannot have God be the priority and God, uh, riches be the priority at the same time. It can't happen. It's impossible. Okay? He made it very clear that we cannot have it both ways. Another thing I think that he was trying to encourage us or remind us of today is that Jesus knows our tendencies. Our tendencies to worry when we give to others. And he exhorted us three different times, don't worry. Do not worry. We can trust in God to take care of us. Amen? Amen. Lastly, Jesus concluded by telling us, simply seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Calvary Chapel, Iwakuni, put God first. Trust in Him, and He will take care of you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that we can trust in you. God, that you care for us. 
Lord, that You loved us so much that You were willing to send Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. Lord, that's an incredible investment You've made in us. So Father, I pray that we would honor that investment. Lord, that we would be those that are storing up our treasures in heaven. That our emphasis would be upon blessing others, to be generous, to be giving. Lord, that we would not allow money to get in the way of serving You and being obedient to You. Father, we pray that the finances, the the provision that You've given to us, Lord, that they would be a blessing to us and to our families. Lord, that You would use it to grow Your kingdom. Lord, to bring honor and glory to You. Lord, I do just thank You for this body. Lord, I thank You for this time and Your Word. And we thank You that You love us so much. And Lord, I just want to pray. Lord, if there's anybody here that just found themselves just emphasizing the things of this world, their hearts attached to the things of this world, that they'd be willing to come and, and lay those things before You. Lord, and to trust in You. So Lord, lead and guide our our time as Travis leads us in one last song. Let us just be willing to surrender all to You. We love You and we thank You. In Jesus' name we pray.